The Well is a gospel-centered church located in Boulder, Colorado. We exist to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. For more information about The Well, please visit us online at www.boulderwell.org. Let me point out a few other things as far as harmony. Um, Nod brought up something while I was making the rounds. Um, harmony requires multiple players, right? So if, like, one thing I love to do is I love to build a fire, chill out after the kids go to bed. That's called isolation. <laughs> I'm by myself, okay? <laughs> Just to be clear. You know, Alexa's got, if she's in the kitchen doing something or she's, you know, she's more of a planner. She's more of a, she's preparing things. And so I'll go in and be like, hey, can I help you do lunch? Because I, you know, I like making sandwiches. Um, I, let me, can I help? Well, I'm done making sandwiches. She's doing all the other stuff. I'll kind of like wander away. And we're, we're still in each other's space. Um, and, and so that can be harmony. But just to be clear, when I'm off doing my own thing, it's isolation. That's not harmony. Okay? So we're, when we answer the questions of when is our home most harmonious, it's when we're all interacting. And sometimes we also, you know, a popular phrase to use is when we're all balanced. So I, I just kind of want to nip that in the bud. Um, parenting isn't really about balance. It's about sacrifice. So I like that someone brought that up. Also, um, don't confuse um, you know, performance and playing the game. Like What I mean by that is um, like the natural boundaries in your backyard. Don't make space from your children the enemy. They need space. How many of you have ever heard the term pursuer-distancer cycle? Okay, It's just something that we naturally do. Um, all humans want to be happy. Okay, they want to feel happy. Um, if what's your name again? Jeff. Jeff. So Jeff and I are in a relationship. We're roommates, and um, and let's say we're working on a project, and he's trying to get in touch with me, and I'm not um, really responding. That's called distancing. Um, he's trying to get my attention. He's sending me texts. He's showing up where I work. He's like, "Dude, we got to talk about this." Fill in the blank. That's pursuing. In a couple's, uh, that's in a, in a couple's arena, that would, uh, there have been times where your spouse has distanced themselves from you. Have you ever felt that? Raise your hand. Okay? And I'm not saying like in a, in a catastrophic way. Just, you know what? They seem to need time alone. Okay? And then, there's, and then you will do something to get their attention. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done anything to get their attention? Okay. Just out of curiosity, what's the go-to method to get your spouse's attention? Anyone want to share? Anyone feel the nudge to share? What's that? Okay. Just raise the volume. Raise the volume. Okay. Any, anyone else? Yeah. Push their buttons. Dude. Nice. Okay. I, I totally believe both of you. Anyone else? I probably talk less. I do too. You, okay, so you go the other way. You kind of shut down. You kind of shut down too. Kind of like with little um, Fee. She's like, 
That bread looks good. <laughs> Do you want to eat bread? <laughs> I get it. Yeah, it's kind of like the lead. Yeah, okay. I'll tease. Tease? Right. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Okay. All right. There's one back here. Like, oh, a little snarky, like guilt-driven. That's okay. All right. Well, they're all guilt-driven, aren't they? All right. Anybody else? What? Make them laugh. Oh, that's a good one. That's a positive one, right? Okay. How many of you practice like saying, Alexa's not here, but hey, I had a rough day today. I really need some serious attention. Anybody do that? That is literally like the healthiest way to communicate. You need attention. Gold star. Okay. (laughs) So here's the thing is, harmony requires multiple people. Multiple notes need to be played as they're intended, and they've got to somehow come together. So harmony is a together element, not in isolation. It's also not a coping mechanism. Just because everyone is together doesn't mean they're getting along, and it doesn't mean that it's healthy. It just means you're all together, okay? And another myth in parenting is that kids being away from parents is worse than them being with parents. That's not true. Your kids do need to spend time. When they get into about five or six, they will begin to start, and some kids sooner. It seems like the developmental cycles are moving to younger kids faster um, with our on-demand society. We're really seeing a lot of that. Um, I mean, we used to have to wait for, through commercials on TV. How many, my kids didn't even know what a commercial was. Like, they're just like, uh, just skip this. <laughs> like the Apple TV, it might be Satan. I'm just saying, like, it's like, I don't have to wait for anything, ever. Mom, what's taking so long for dinner? We have to wait? Wait for what? I mean, we literally are in a culture where everything is not just on demand with buttons, but finger. Okay? Conversation for another time. So with everything being on demand and immediate, the need for space and independence has become very important. God is going to absolutely use the world to strengthen your child in ways you never expected. I love the idea of just natural boundaries in the backyard. The other day I had, uh, Asher came in and he's a, he's a pretty anxious kid. And he's just kind of like, dad, I don't know what to do. I can't get the chickens in the coop. And you know, I'm, they're chickens. And he's like, I don't know, dad. I mean, I, I gotta be a football. And so I mean, I don't know what to do. I mean, he is having like a panic attack. It's all right, buddy. So then he mows, he mows grass. Um, he's got like this little mowing business and he goes down the street. This lady was having a rough day. John, you heard about this, right? So he's having the fit about the chickens. I, I, I quell sound like, dude, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's just chickens. You got to be somewhere. Go do your thing. He goes down. Um, he's late for football. He goes down to talk to this lady about her yard. She comes out. Clearly she's had a rough day. Now remember, my son is 13, and he has his nephew with him, Jaden, who helps him mow grass, and she comes out, and she is loaded for bear. She is so upset because a, trim didn't get tri- uh, a tree didn't get trimmed correctly 
while she was out of town all summer. And now this tree is crazy. I mean, it's, it is enormous. But Ashley didn't write it down. He's like, you didn't write it down? I didn't trim it? I didn't, you know, no big, you know, I did what you told me. And who said what? I'm not sure. But what happened next was she began to yell at him. Listen, I know you're 13, but when I ask you to do something and I pay you up front for it, I expect it to be done. I expect so much more from you, Asher. And Asher's like, you know, beginning to cry. But he, he, he was really gracious with the lady. Where Jaden was standing there, and he's just like, I'm out of here. And he takes off. He gets on his bike. Later, lady. You know, he's 14. He, I'll talk about that later. Asher's standing there and he's crying. And at that moment, I'm riding up on my bike. I see Jane going by. I'm like, what's up? He's like, I got to go to you. He's got a deep voice now. And so I'm riding up and I just kind of stop. And she sees me and she kind of tones it down a little bit. But then she sees I'm not doing anything. I'm just like, hey. So she starts raising her voice again. And Asher said, well, I'm sorry you're upset about the tree. Um, why don't you show me exactly what you want me to do? I'll go get my tools, and I'll do it. And she goes, well, you have your football stuff on. Are you supposed to be going to football? He's like, yeah, but this is more important. And I'm listening to my son say this. He's like, so he's, now there's tears coming out of his eyes. I can tell he is crazy rattled right now. He's just kind of like, why don't you show me? What you want me to do, and I'll write it down on my notebook. Kids don't use pen and paper, by the way. So this is, he's like doing this because I asked him to. And he's like, da, 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 da. okay, all right, let me go get my tools. I'll be right back. As he's leaving, she says, listen, I'm sorry. I'm pretty upset. I had to put my dog down. And, and Asher's like, oh, no, that, I forget the name, Fluffy. And, um, He's like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Um, you, you sure you want me to do this now? She's like, no, I don't want you doing it now. You need to get the football. And so he said, okay, well, I'm still going. I got the list, and I'll come back tomorrow or on Saturday, and I'll do it. And, and it, the, the whole cycle of it happening, it took care of itself. Now, I'm like, all right, is everything okay? All right, thank you. I'm following Asher. We ride back to the house. Then he's like, <laughs> I don't know. And I was like, man, that was, that was rough. I caught like the back end of that. She was really upset. He goes, I don't like it when grownups are mad at me. I said, yeah, well, this won't be the, you know, won't be the last time. I said, what are you going to do? He goes, well, I'm going to uh, you know, get the tools. I want to work on it. What do you think I should do? And I found that because of my baggage, I start getting elevated. The whole event is over. I'm back at the house, but his pain is triggering my pain. And, and I'm like, listen, dude, you just got to do what you got to do. <laughs> and Asher's like, remember, he, he texted John. He's like, daddy's upset. And, and I'm like, you just got to do what you're going to do, man. You just got to suck it up. You got to do it. You're doing great. Keep doing it. Because I raised my voice, he took it kind of as an attack. And I was like, okay, I got I to gotta walk away from this. So I walk away from it. And then I, I felt convicted. I'm like, listen, he, he was already like on his way to football. And so I just shoot him a text. I'm like, listen, I love you. Jesus loves you. He knows right where you are. 
You handled yourself perfectly. Remember you're 13 and remember it's just a tree. Big deal. I didn't say big deal. It's just a tree. I'll see you in a little bit. So later I come in and he's talking to John and he's sharing how much that, that meant to him, that text. And so I share that story because I want you to hear how it progresses and how I did not intervene. I did not intervene. It was, it was so painful to not intervene. But I, at some point, we have to have faith that as we teach our children, we model our children, that they're going, life is going to teach them a lesson through other people who are not in our community. She doesn't go to the well. I'm sure she does not go anywhere for church. Okay? Who knows? You never know who will end up coming with you next time. But she was angry, and she's always angry. Come to find out, she has MS. She's really been struggling with it. She's in her 60s. She put down her dog. She's super sad. That third element we were talking about, do you see how that third element was fueling that interaction with her and Asher? So letting Asher go through that, he had an amazing learning opportunity to see what happens when baggages, when that person is interacting with him through their baggage. And because he's my son and he hears me talk all the time, he knows that's what it is. And he knew at the age of 13, as soon as she said my dog had to be put down, he showed empathy. Actually, with our kids, you show compassion. Empathy and sympathy is just in your head. Compassion is the action of having it. So I want our kids to know how to have compassion for people. If you want to talk to a therapist, they'll give you empathy. They'll give you sympathy. But if you want to act on it and actually build on it, teach your kids compassion, especially when you're under attack. Harmony comes also not just from having everything right, but having that space. Okay? These are great answers. I think sometimes because we have harmony, we have more order. Because we have harmony, we have more cleanliness. Because we have harmony, we choose to be less busy and more present with each other. I think because we see and hope for harmony that we can find a way to get our priorities in place. I think the more harmony we experience, the more harmony we long for. Reading, we value that time reading because there's a part of us that values that harmony. I think that says bath time. That's harmonious. I mean, that's any, any quality time that we have together, not in isolation, not reacting. We have a potential sleeping, playing, putting others first, creating harmony. I like this one here too, is remember, putting others first is really key also because to have harmony, you've got to understand that everyone brings something to that musical score. Someone brings their element, their sound, their particular um, personality um, to that harmonious score, okay? Let's talk about something, let's move to something that's rarely talked about when speaking about harmony. And um, just what comes to mind when I say the word neglect? Just tell me. Huh? Loud. CPS? Say that so everyone knows. 
Okay. What? Not meeting core needs. Okay, so when you guys say core needs, you're talking about like food, shelter, like, okay. Um, all right, not meeting core needs. Yep. No self-care. Okay, anybody else? It's the most damaging to a child's psychic. It causes the most trauma. Neglect is the worst thing that happens to kids. Okay. No. I work with kids with trauma-focused mm-hmm. Yeah. From all the things that in their histories, if neglect is there, we see rat, we Yeah. Have you ever heard of Kalo of the Ozarks for reactive attachment disorder? So it um yeah, neglect is extremely, extremely hurtful. And it man, it leaves a mark. Like the child is deprioritized, like to the extreme? I think that would be safe to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, what else comes up when you think of neglect? I mean, I think of abuse. Um, go ahead, just say it. You don't need to raise your hand. What's that? Loneliness. Yeah. That's when that space that I'm talking about is taken to an extreme. Like, there's a movement called free range parenting. Um, and that, that's, I, I love the, I know what they're trying to do, but there's been a lot of cases of neglect because they actually let the kids go too far. Um, the, um, there was a case in the 90s with, uh, I can't talk about there have been a lot of like parenting books where they've put so much pressure on scheduling and order um, that kids would actually go hungry and show up in the ER uh, being mal- because of mal- malnourishment. Um, can't really speak about that in detail, but our Aspen was a big part of kind of doing that research and figuring out how's that connect to something as you know as simple as um, uh, feeding time and sleep time, and it would turn into something neglectful. Okay, uh, what else comes to mind? I'm hearing a lot of taking away type things. What about giving too much? Have you ever considered too much as being neglected, uh, a form of neglect? No? Right. So working with trauma, we, we're always trying to figure out what gets through the fence that no one has considered. Let me tell you a little bit about this. So there's, neglect can be when we're either over-involved, and I would say extremely over-involved, or extremely under-involved. So how many of you have heard of these terms? Tiger parent, helicopter parent, best friend parent. Have you heard of these three terms? Nope? All right. So, the tiger parent is a term which refers to a strict or demanding mother or father who pushes their children to be successful academically by attaining high levels of scholastic and academic achievement, primarily using shame to motivate. Okay? They're highly involved. And so, on the outside, they just seem like someone who's really, really involved. Uh, in, in a therapeutic setting, we would call this um, uh, conflictually enmeshed. 
Okay, so this this can lead to um, a lot of developmental issues. Uh, a helicopter parent, often used by uh, in love and logic terminology, is they pay extremely close attention to a child's uh, experiences and problems, particularly at educational institutions. They tend to be a rescuer, an enabler. Um, uh, they care for and protect in an overindulgent way. And we find that this has really close ties to heightened levels of addiction and coping, unhealthy coping in children, which is a form of neglect. They're modeling something that is neglectful. And the third one is the best friend parent, which uh, you can't, it is not healthy um, to use your kids to develop relational safety. Um, basically, it's when we, when we sh share too much with a child and we put the burden of our emotional state on them. They're not developed to take that on, but this is something that we can easily slide into or drift into and not know it. Um, children are never meant to be a parent. Um, they're not meant to compensate where, where we fall short. And the absentee um, parent... Uh, you know, probably different images come to mind, but they, it's more of avoidance, stonewalling, and sarcasm. In our studies, we find that sarcasm is used with parents, with children. It tends to uh, lead to the child feeling very um, isolated because their brain cannot put together a Seinfeld episode, okay? Or like think of a show that uses a lot of sarcasm. Children can't really pick it up. If they do at an early age, it's because they're just mimicking. Um, and it, it doesn't lead to a place of safety. So we try to keep sarcasm to a minimum. And then, of course, abusive parents are your traditional abuse, where um, it can be physical, sexual, emotional. And now we also consider spiritual uh, abuse in that as well. Um, and so as we look at uh, working with orphans in other countries, like when we go in and we will actually, uh, actually I do debriefing with um, Elizabeth's brother and we're about to go do our annual trauma training for missionaries um, on Tuesday. You know, it's the stage of trauma and, um, and crisis is changing so dramatically. It's always changing. And the people who are the most affected are the children. When we were rebuilding uh, the mission in, Tacloban, in the Tacloban uh, Philippines, um, who, who is the most at threat? The children. You see children. I went into a, a restaurant with a mission group, and there was a child um, playing in the parking lot, under, rolling under cars, um, no parents. And, and this child was, I mean... I know I don't have little kids anymore, but maybe three? Just barely walking, not even walking well, just falling over, and there's babies everywhere. When you go into a disaster response zone, or a disaster zone, and you're responding to one, there's children everywhere. They are super vulnerable. The children in your home are just as vulnerable as the children whose parents have left them. Meaning at that, the developmental stage is no different from a, an American to a, a child in the Philippines to a child in Russia, Ukraine. Is God designed us to be relational and also designed us to, have, uh, to, to want safety for our, our closest relationships, our parenting most of all. 
So relational safety is really key. So as we go over our stack and we look at, okay, what are my priorities? How do we create harmony? Then we move into how do I become less self-focused? How do I put my needs second, my fears, my baggage second, and truly understand what's going on with my child? So let's look at what we've summarized so far. So the negative effects of the three problems that we've talked about is that with the first one, parents criticize, they become confused, and they become, most of all, uncompassed. Okay? To the second problem we, we, we've processed, parents can become habitually reactive. Okay? 80% of our life is made up of habits. We're relational beings. We're designed to be relational. Habit forming is a part of relationships. Okay? When our baggage controls that or impedes that, we create a reaction that's a habitual reactive state. Parents catastrophize. How many of you, as you're listening to me and Asher's, uh, that, that dilemma he was in, how many of you were just like, what is happening? Like cringing if that were your kid. How many? How many of you wanted me to jump in? Yeah. I wanted to jump in. Are you kidding me? Who makes my boy cry? I was like, you're not mowing this grass ever again. No. That would have been that would have been out of my that been out of my stuff. You know what Asher said to me? He said, I said, man, you held it together. He's like, yeah. She pays, she pays me $40 a week. <laughs> and this whole time I thought it was Jesus. I was like, we need to talk about your priorities. And mine. If, what am I modeling to you? When we catastrophize, we take something small. And we make it feel bigger to ourselves and our children, taking away the learning opportunity. That was an awesome learning opportunity for Asher. When we went back that following Saturday, it was raining. Blaze like, what are you doing here in the rain? He's like, came to trim your tree. We can trim trees in the rain. She's like, I don't want you out in the rain. And she said, I also want you to know, I really appreciated the way you responded to me. You're, the guy who works, the other boy that works with you, he left on his bike like while we were talking. I don't, I don't want him coming back. Okay. Asher said, I understand. She said, but you responded so well. I really don't want anyone else mowing my grass but you. He was able to see the other side of that. As parents, I got to experience that through him. And as parents, you have to keep in mind that a lot of times it's like when we're sharing our faith with anybody, you can plant seeds. You can share the beauty of the gospel, the craziness of how it meets needs in ways that we would not naturally do it. How it's not intuitive. How it's not logical. Loving your enemies. Intimacy. They're weird concepts. But God has a plan that is way beyond anything we can understand. Our understanding is so flawed. Asher coming on the back end of that I was so happy for him. He learned from that opportunity. 
He could have either responded like Jaden did, or he could have responded like he did. All right. We got a lunch break, and then we're going to move into solutions. And I'll tell you, there's, there's, so there's a lot more exercises. And then the second half after lunch will be focused only on solutions and behavior change for you as parents. Okay? Thank you for listening to The Well Podcast. For resources and information on how you can support our mission to proclaim the gospel and make disciples, please visit us online at www.boulderwell.org.